A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Amanda, and you're listening to the Think Inclusive Podcast. Recording from my office in beautiful Marietta, Georgia. You are listening to the Think Inclusive Podcast, episode 22. Today we have Amanda Morin from the National Center for Learning Disabilities and the amazing online resource understood.org. We talk about the transition back to school for students with disabilities. We also discuss strategies parents can use during IEP meetings when it is recommended for their child to move to a more restrictive setting. After the podcast, Please visit patreon.com backslash thinkinclusivepodcast where you can support our goal to bring you in-depth interviews with inclusive education and community advocacy thought leaders. Also, you can help other people find us by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the Think Inclusive Podcast. So without further ado, here is the interview. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening to the Think Inclusive podcast. Uh, today we have Amanda Morin uh, from the uh, National Center um, on Learning Disabilities and Understood.org. Uh, she is a parent and former teacher um, slash early intervention specialist turned education writer and advocate. Uh, she currently serves as an expert and the Content Development Manager for the National Center for Learning Disabilities, uh, primarily on the understood.org program, but also on a new educator initiative as well. She is the author of three books, The Everything Parents Guide to Special Education, The Everything Kids Learning Activities book, and On the Go Fun for Kids, More Than 250 Activities to Keep Little Ones Busy and Happy Anytime, Anywhere. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for being on the podcast, Amanda. Thanks for having me. That's a big promise, isn't it? Anytime, anywhere, keep them happy. That's a that's a big promise. But, that is. I, I'm yeah, sure. I'm works. I'm sure the content delivers, though. Well, thank you. I, I hope it delivers. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is great. Uh, we were just talking before you know we started recording that uh, you and I have never actually talked before but we're um i've been familiar with you know all of your tweets and content um for a long time now i can't even remember how long i know um, i know same here the same i feel like we've traveled in the same circles for 
forever. And this is so exciting to actually, I just realized I didn't know what your voice sounded like, but I felt like I know you already. Isn't that such a strange feeling? Yeah, it is. It is. Likewise, likewise. Um, So I guess what, if anything, are you working on right now uh, that you can, I know that you've written books. I know that you're working on, um, you know, understood. Uh, Is there anything that you're working on right now? Sure. So you mentioned a little bit briefly that um, I work for the National Center for Learning Disabilities and understood.org is one of our our programs. Um, And it's designed specifically for parents of kids with learning attention issues, which encompasses learning disabilities, ADHD and and things, um, struggling learner kind of things. But I'm working primarily um, splitting my time now between that and a new educator initiative, which I'm super excited about because what we're looking at is providing resources and information and support for general educators in the classroom who are working with kids with disabilities because we know that kids are in their classroom, like hopefully all the time, hopefully close to 75% of the time, hopefully they're you know fully included. And so we wanna make sure that um, teachers are having practical and actionable tools to make that work really well. Um, and so that's a project that is gonna have a beta launch in January and by next June should be sort of fully expanded and it's been a year and a half of research and just exciting stuff i'm excited about it that's fantastic is there is there kind of any plan on rolling out on how how you're going to let teachers know about this resource Definitely. Well, certainly one of the things that we've been doing um, is, you know, you said you're familiar with tweets and and those kinds of things. We're going to be, I think, leveraging the um, social media presence of Understood and the National Center for Learning Disabilities to let teachers know. But we're also working with um, multiple organizations and people like like you in this field to make sure that, that you're able to share it with the people you know who really need the resources. And the neat thing is we're looking at free, right? And that's such a huge thing for teachers. I mean, having been a former teacher, I mean, I'm a recovering teacher. I don't know how you, what you would call that. Um, <laughs> free is huge, right? Because you're spending a lot of your own money and uh, emotional investment in getting the right things for the kids in your classroom because they're your kids. No matter whose kids they are, they're your kids. Um, so I'm excited about this. We're certainly going to let people know as soon as we have um, beta launched in January, and we'll make sure that those resources are tweeted out, shared out, email newsletter out, all those kinds of things. So it's an exciting project to be doing, to work on both sides and see how parents and teachers can work together is really exciting to me. Great. Um, now, I, I heard in what you said that you're a recovering teacher, um, yeah. which I think is an interesting, interesting phrase. Um, how, how long were you a teacher, like a classroom teacher? Were you a classroom teacher? Um, I was a classroom teacher, and then I worked primarily, um, so I, I transitioned from being a classroom teacher to being a sort of working with parents and kids together in the early intervention space. Okay. I was a classroom teacher for 10 years. I have to think about that. Okay. 10 years, and then I did sort of, you know, I would say it's private, but it's not. It's just different setting. It was um, because I worked for the Department of Education in the state that I live in, and it was private settings because you would go into kids' homes because when you work with kids who are younger you're in their environment because that's where they need to be learning okay Um, and that was lots of fun that was a lot of fun i miss it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. well now you get to support you know you get to support education in a different way so that's good um uh would you say would you say that um the as far as uh, being an educator that you felt frustrated because that's what i'm kind of picking up that that uh, 
the, the recovering part, or is that um, am I not reading that correctly? Oh, I think I no. I mean, I think that there's always frustrations in being a teacher. I think for me, um, I wanted to do more time working with the kids. You know, I wanted to be able to do more teaching and less paperwork and that kind of thing. But I think the recovering part is that I miss the classroom. Uh, so I call myself recovering because I I feel like I'm always teaching. I mean, I write books for parents about education. I write about education, so I'm teaching in a different realm. My kids would probably tell you I teach too much at home too um, <laughs> but, but that's the recovering part I think is that I, I I still feel connected to it the classroom in a way that I think I will never stop feeling connected oh okay I like that I like that it put a little bit more a, a positive spin on that that, that was that's yeah. good <laughs> yeah. um, well uh, depending on when you are listening to this um, it's back to school time and so we have a lot of kids transitioning back into school uh for instance in in my district we're already back in school so um yes i know (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so uh we had a it's you know it's a two-month summer but we do get Mm -hmm. the breaks in in between throughout the year um which i personally like um but what advice can you give to parents on preparing their children um really, uh, you know, with or without disabilities, but let, you know, on going back to school and just preparing them for that transition. That's such a big question, isn't it? I'm thinking that through and it's such a big question. I think there are a lot of things. Um, one of the most important ones to me is to not downplay their anxieties. And I know that that might sound counterintuitive in some ways, but I think when we really take the time to listen to what kids are worried about, we can help them figure out ways to work around it. So I think like listening to kids' anxieties can help parents sort of reset where their own anxieties are. I try really hard in my house not to to lead my kids and say, are you worried about meeting a new teacher? Are you worried? Because those are my worries, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying hard to to listen to them. But I also think it's, it's important to sort of acknowledge your own anxieties. And especially when you have a child who's going into back to school, and may have an IEP or a 504 plan. For me, I have, and and you know this, that I have um, three kids, two of whom have IEPs. Um, So we do this year after year after year. And I always get nervous that there's going to be a time where I'm going to have to make sure that somebody's read their IEP or knows their accommodations. And I don't want to come across as confrontational or difficult or any of those kind of ways. So I have to find a way to sort of bridge that connection with the teacher in a way that says, let me help you because this is going to be beneficial to everybody if everybody understands the needs of of my child so we can get everybody off to a good start. Um, And I always try to find a way to do that that's not um, pushy. And I'm not sure I always succeed, but I try really hard. Um, So I think for some parents, it's a matter of just sending a quick email saying, hey, do you have questions about the IEP? Any questions I can answer about my child? Anything you need to know from me? um, Before we start school. And then um, sometimes I would recommend to parents that they can have their kids sit down with their kids and write an introduction letter to their teachers and not necessarily, they don't even have to send it. It's just an introduction letter. So kids can have that sense of how they can talk about themselves to their teachers as well. And that parents sort of sort through what's important for the very beginning of the year. That's a very long answer. Um, but it's, it encompasses some of the things. No, I no, I like that. I, I like that. I, I like the, when, when I was a classroom teacher, I really, um, liked having parents who, um, you know, and there's a, it, there's also that kind of tone and, and, 
and um, attitude of just being open with the teacher right. and saying, hey, I want you to know about my about my child, you know, because they are my world and I want you to right. I want you to know who they are. Um, and you can certainly do that without coming across um, too aggressive. And uh, yeah. I, th I like the intro letter idea. I think that's really, really yeah. great. And I think, you know, I think the important thing is to presume good intention from the very beginning. And I think that it's hard when you have f spent a lot of time making sure your child has the supports they need to understand that other people have good intentions towards your child as well. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily that you're jaded or you feel like that they don't have good intentions. I think it's just, it's sometimes hard to realize that we're all working towards the same thing, which is to make a child successful and to help them be, you know, successful and thrive. And so for me, I always have to reset and say, okay, I'm presuming good intention. You know, this question that I may have heard may have come from somewhere that I'm not understanding. And I need to think about the position the teacher's in, or I need to think about the position the other parent is in, and, and sort of regroup and figure out how can I respond to that in a way that shows that I understand they're trying hard and that they want the same thing that I do. I like that. I like the, that idea of presume, presuming good intentions. And it's kind of like, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to connect it <laughs> to this idea right. of uh, presuming competence because it's yeah. something that we, um, I guess, in the inclusive education world or you know, however you want to say that, a community right. is something that we talk about a lot is we are going to presume the competence of our students and not automatically jump to the conclusion, well, they can't do this, they can't do that, they can't learn. Um, so I, I think that it's important to come to a new school year uh, with right. that same sort of attitude. Um, and they do connect for me. I, I think of them sort of in the same way. It's sort of like keeping everybody accountable to high expectations. So if you're presuming competence, you're presuming that the child in your classroom can meet these high expectations. And if you're presuming good intent, you're assuming that everybody around them can meet your high expectations of, of we're doing well, we're doing this for a good cause. Right. Right. And let's, and to further connect these, because the more that I think about it, I, I really like, I really like the way that this uh, meshes. Yeah. Um, when you have, when you have a student who already thinks that the teacher doesn't like them, doesn't mm -hmm. think that they can learn and is already on the a bad, you know, on bad footing to start right. the year, that student is not going to do well. Right. Their behaviors, their behaviors going to, you know, the challenging behavior is going to crop up. Uh, there's going to be barriers to uh, learning. Um, I think that that's, I think it's really important. Um, and something that I tell, I tell the teachers that I work with is, especially at the very beginning of the year is get to know your students. You know, I, right. that, that seems pretty obvious, right. But, uh, but I think I, that, I think that uh, a lot of, a lot of educators just, they, they know that there's a lot to cover. They right. want to get into standards right away. And, and so my advice to them is, look, you really have to know who your kids are so that you can get to the standards. You really have to know what their loves are, what they're right. passionate about, um, the things, and follow their lead for the beginning just so that you can develop that rapport. Because then if you invest all of that time, by the time you're two or three weeks in, they're going to trust yeah. you. 
Well, that connection is huge, isn't it? I mean, I one of my sons um, is the kid that you definitely have to connect with before he can, before you've gained his trust. And you know, I that's just the kid he is. And so, I think the teachers that he has had um, not as easy a time with over the years are the teachers who um, have not taken the time to sort of see who he is or to ask him who he is. He has a very ridiculous sense of humor. He's a punner. So like we do pun fests in our house, which is ridiculous and fun. (laughs) But if you know that about him and you go in and you attack him with his sense of humor, then he is putty in your hands for the rest of the year. He's your best, he's your best student. And, um, but if you don't do that, if you don't get to know him well, um, he's going to be a challenge in, um, and I don't mean challenge in a way where it's like he needs to be out of your classroom. I just mean, it's going to be challenging. So you, it's, it's a huge thing. And I always, when I always taught, when I taught, I always made sure that I tried to have a, tried to, to have my first contact with parents be a positive one. Like I never wanted the first contact to be a call home that says, so we've had a problem. I always wanted it to be, I'm going to introduce myself my name's mrs morin i'm going to be your child's teacher this year um is there anything you want to tell me anything you want to ask me just so we had that started so it wasn't like the first time you hear something it's panic you know because that it causes panic when you get a call and you don't know what's happening right right exactly yeah. <laughs> um something else i wanted to i wanted to talk about and discuss with you is yeah. We have uh, some families who are going back to um, going transitioning back to school, and their students are included for um, a portion or the majority of the day in, um, in like a co-taught setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also get uh, pulled into a um, a small group room or a special day class or however you want to say it. I know there's right. different ways right. to say it. Uh, around the country. Um, some parents may be concerned about as they get older, the school district, uh, or the, the, the school will, will say this content's getting too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're just not able to, you know, the, your, your child is not going to do as well as we go forward into fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Um, we really need to look at uh, a more restrictive environment. I know that that is on the minds of parents as they go back to school. Um, do you have any advice to parents as they as they prepare for those conversations and prepare sure. for um, for that new school year? Yeah, those are scary conversations, and I think they're in the back of the head of so many parents. Um, I, I will, it's in the back of my head even as a parent a lot of the time. Um, and one of the things that I, I always want to tell parents is to really stick with asking about what's what's happening now and what's the data that shows that this isn't going to work or hasn't been working. Um, that's kind of convoluted, but honestly – if it's working, if the supports that are in place that are, are working, if your child is succeeding and doing well and meeting goals in the in the setting that they're already in, predicting the future from that is not really possible. You know, there has to be some evidence showing that this child needs to be moved to a to a more restrictive environment. And so, I think it's it's really important for parents to know that they absolutely can can ask that question: What data do you have that shows that this isn't working? 
Um, and I think the next question is, and what can we change in the present setting to try and make it work before we move to a more inclusive setting? Uh, I mean, excuse me, a more a less inclusive setting, mm-hmm. a, a more restrictive setting. And, and I think that to that point, one of the things that's really important for parents to understand is the idea of least restrictive environment. And I think that, you know, I mean, you and I know that, a lot of teachers know that, but least restrictive environment is in the law. The Individuals with, with, edu- the individuals with Disabilities and Education Act, IDEA, <laughs> that, that's hard to say. I know. <laughs> uh, that, that, that a child should be educated, a student should be educated in the least restricted environment possible, which means they should be in a general education setting with their same age peers as much as possible with the support they need. So anywhere outside of that is a more restrictive environment. So the law sort of supports that. If there are supports that can be put into place and your child can still succeed in that setting, that's the first thing to go to. And so I think a lot of parents are nervous speaking up and saying that they know that. I think they, they it feels confrontational to say, well, I know that the law says my child deserves to be in a least restrictive environment. But it's really not. It's just it's being informed. It's being assertive. It's showing that you're you're understanding and, and willing to work with the team to figure out what other supports might be helpful to keep your child in the environment they're in. Yeah, I love those suggestions. I, I think um, I think you're right on when you're talking about um, about data because uh, data is emotionless, right? It is, it is, doesn't have any baggage. So when you, when you say, um, this is how my child was doing last year and, uh, you know, why would we make that change to a more restrictive environment when they haven't shown, um, that they're not able to perform or, uh, excel at the same rate that they were the year before, you know, and, to that point, let's say, let's say they aren't, you know, performing or excelling or achieving at the same, at the same, um, rate then, well, why is that? Because they were last year. So, um, I think you're right that, that the data question and the, and asking why, um, and I, I think too, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's really important to keep in mind, it's the beginning of the year, mm-hmm, right? You're mm-hmm. just starting out. And I, I know you know what I'm talking about here. I do. So, <laughs> like when it comes to data, the first three weeks of the school year really are, are not as accurate as the next six weeks, if you will, because what you're looking at is that getting used to. And for some kids, it's actually a honeymoon period where you don't see some of the things that you might see later on. But for other kids, it might be an adjustment. So I think it's important to also not only look at data, but look at how much data, right? So it's not just like, well, in these two weeks, this has been really difficult. But across time, here are the things that we're seeing consistently is really important. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, that Yeah, that's great. It, great advice. Um, so let me, I guess you can put on your educator hat on your recovering educator hat on. (laughs) And, um, uh, we get, as far as, you know, the, the website and, and people asking us questions, um, we get a lot of questions from educators who are in districts that, you know, maybe in the idea or the philosophy of inclusive education just isn't as big of a priority as it is for others. Um, and so we get a lot of questions about, 
you know, how can I turn things around in my district? Who do I talk to? What do I do uh, to promote inclusive practices? Uh, is, is there anything, any strategies or um, ideas that you could give educators as they're, as they're listening to this conversation? Well, firstly, I would just like to applaud educators for asking that question. I mean, it's a great question to ask, and it shows that you're really, really involved and, and ready to do it. And I think there are a couple of things. I think the first thing is make your own classroom as inclusive as you can, right? So you're changing your classroom to meet your expectations and philosophies. And I also think that you need to you need to acknowledge the systems in which you work sometimes, and it can be frustrating. But I think making sure that you have a good relationship with the special education teachers and the paraprofessionals who are there to support and asking about co-teaching strategies as opposed to necessarily like pulling kids out. Um, how can we do this in the classroom? I think is always a great question to ask um, and to bring it up at an IEP meeting as well. I think not just when, you know, I think just in front of everybody, it's a good question to ask. Are there ways that we can do this in the classroom? What can I do to support that? Who's there who can support me in doing that? And I also think um, bringing parents into the conversation can be really helpful because if you have parents who believe in inclusion and they really want it to happen, they can start sort of a, a drive from the outside, if you will. I don't even know how to say that. But that, that ability for parents to come in and speak to administration, whether it's superintendents or school boards, and say, this is really important to us. It supports you as a teacher. So I'm not saying, like, have an uprising because it's not what I'm suggesting at all. Great. But I'm definitely saying make sure if you have parents who believe in this that they can bring in all the information that they have. Um, it's funny. You and I both know Nicole Eredix who wrote the book Inclusion in Action. Yes. I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic book for teachers to read. I think it's a fantastic book for teachers to read and then give to their, their students' parents to read as well. Um, it's actually we're doing a uh, book club through understood.org and it's one of the books it's the next book we're reading um and having users talk to nicole and, and that kind of a thing because i think it just gives you practical strategies if well it's literally called practical strategies inclusion in action um to really start adopting these practices in your classroom and i think finding at least one more teacher who has the same belief can make you feel less alone in that and whether it's through a site like think inclusive or this podcast or a community on the ground, it may not matter where that, that support comes from at first, but I think it's important to know that there are other people who are, who are trying this too and maybe hitting the same obstacles. Yes, that is exactly, that's exactly what turned me around. Um, because in my, in my, uh, teaching credential program, mm -hmm. it was very inclusive. The, the strategies and the, the assumption was that you're going to go and you're going to get a job and you're going to be supporting students in, um, in settings with, with, uh, typically developing, uh, right. kids. And when I got my first job, it was, it wasn't that I, I, you know, I worked in a, I worked in a, um, self-contained, um, special education classroom mm -hmm. and knowing all the information I had, um, I was at a complete loss. Well, how do I make what I know is is best practice? How do I make it work for my kids? Um, right. And that was really the impetus of why you know we, you know I started the website because right. I just didn't know I didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> right. So and, you know, 
Right. And if you don't know what you don't know, you find people who know what you need to know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it was so encouraging to find other people who who thought like I did because then I realized, oh, I'm not alone. And right. um, and we, we can all work on this um, bigger idea together. And so I also want to encourage other self-contained classroom teachers, because I, I don't think you know this, Amanda, but I, I taught 13 years in the classroom, all of which were in self-contained settings. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Okay. Yes. So, um, and I, I, I remember having conversations with, with certain people in our community and mm-hmm. they said, well, why are you still there? And I said, well, I, I have, you know, I have mixed feelings, but I feel like for whatever reason, I'm here and I'm going to, like what you said, make my setting as inclusive as possible and, right. and, and, you know, work, um, what I felt was best for my students at my particular school and, um, all the while trying to learn more and more strategies on how to affect the, the larger system. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I, and I think that's important to know, right. That, that it's not an all or nothing proposition, right? It's not, we're all inclusive or we're not inclusive. It's you can affect your piece of the world. And that makes a big impact. It's like a ripple effect, right? Um, you know, and, and I know that sounds very Pollyanna, but it's really true. It's, it's always amazing to me to see, I mean, like communities like, like ours, the ones that this inclusive community where just knowing each other, even if it's online, we've, we've, you know, we all sort of pick up the thread and make the difference in our teaching parents and other teachers. And, and that little difference can really grow to a big movement. Um, and just because you can't see that the movement is coming doesn't mean you're not building towards it. Right, right. Well, I certainly, I certainly hope that what we're doing is making a difference. So I just have to believe that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 It's my job to believe. That. <laughs> um, um, well, uh, I, I just want to make sure everyone uh, knows where they can find you. Um, as far as following your, you know, tweets and, you know, I don't know if you're on Facebook as, as the author. Um, I am. Okay. So, so give us your details. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, so I'm really easy. I'm at Amanda Morin and Morin is M O R I N on Twitter. So I'm just at Amanda Morin. Um, and on Facebook, I am Amanda Morin author and consultant, which is a big fancy way of saying this is my professional page. Um, so it's, I think it's facebook.com backslash Amanda Morin teaches if you're looking for it. Um, and I have all sorts of other social media that I'm really lax in using, so I probably shouldn't promote it. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I'm pretty active on Twitter. And also you can find me. Like I do a lot of writing and blogging at understood.org. So I'm, I'm always sort of writing about my experiences and putting new things out there. Um, and that's easy to find too. Yes, yes, and um, and for those of you who don't know or don't aren't familiar with understood.org, it is a, it, it's fantastic. The resources that are on there, and including video, which um, I know it can be sometimes more engaging for some people, and um, I, I know that it's it's just a really uh, excellent, really warehouse. Of resources. It's built in accessibility tools too, which I always feel like import, is important to mention because it has like a built in read assist that 
so it's there. If you're accessing information differently, we're built for you. The understood.org site is. Um, and I'm very proud of that. I will tell you that that's something that I think is important too. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'd like to thank Amanda Morin for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me on. That is our show. We would like to thank Amanda Morin for being a guest on the Think Inclusive podcast. Make sure to follow her on Twitter and Facebook and look for her work on understood.org. Follow Think Inclusive on the web at thinkinclusive.us as well as Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and Instagram. Today's show was produced by myself using an SM58, USB Logitech headset, Zoom H1 handy recorder, MacBook Pro, GarageBand, and a Skype account. You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Anchor.fm, the easiest way to start a podcast. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.